Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you today. Grab a Bible and start turning it over to Mark chapter 7. We're going to continue our message series through the book of Mark. And uh, it's been incredible so far, and I love how there's so many correlations in Mark to what's going on today, and I think you're going to find today is really no different. And um, you'll see how the, the video, all this stuff kind of pulls together as the message goes along here. But uh, to set the stage, uh, somebody sent me this cute story that uh, is appropriate for what we're talking about today. I heard about this minister, he was walking down the street, and he came upon this group of young boys that were surrounding a small dog. He asked what they were doing. They explained they were having a contest and whoever could tell the biggest lie would get to keep the dog. The minister launched into a 10 minute sermon on lying. Starting with, don't you know lying is a sin? And ending with, when I was your age, I never told a lie. There was complete silence. Just when he thought he'd gotten through to them, the youngest boy spoke up and said, all right, give him the dog. So today we're going to talk a little bit about hand washing, and uh, because God talks about hand washing, which is why I say I think it's kind of interesting how 2,000 years ago there was hand washing issues, and uh, and I would say that there's still hand washing issues today. So I think we're getting pretty used to this, aren't we? Um, I don't know about you, but I tend to use a lot of this stuff. Uh, if you looked inside my car, you would probably laugh at me. My kids say that I'm a germaphobic. I don't think I am. I think I'm just cautious. But I have uh, three bottles in my door of this stuff. I have one in the passenger door. And then uh, I just picked up six more bottles. They're in the back of my car so that I can replenish mine as a, you know, no, I'm not a germaphobic, really. Even though you might think now that I just told you that, I probably am. But you know what, I just, I use it a lot. I've always used it a lot. And I think when COVID hit, I just, you know, used it even more than normal. And, uh, and hand washing is one of those things that I think we maybe take for granted in, in, in our country because we understand germs. We understand where they come from. You know, it wasn't too many years ago when I was down in Guatemala, we used to watch a pattern. And uh, about half of the people that we served were sick at any one time. They had dysentery. And, um, and, and we were always battling dysentery. We didn't have this kind of stuff there. And uh, so we would notice that the people would always eat. And then when they were done with the meal, they would wash their hands. And I thought that was kind of funny. Like, why don't you wash your hands before you eat? Maybe you'll stay healthier. And, uh, and at some point, we had suggested to them why don't you try washing your hands before you eat? And you know what? I might have been like, you know, looked like a monster with two heads because they thought I was the craziest, that was the craziest day they ever heard in their life. Why would you wash your hands before you eat? Is what they always wanted to know. So we had a few people that we could convince to try washing their hands first before they ate, and lo and behold, they stayed healthier. Pretty soon, more and more, more and more people started in the church, and pretty soon the whole church, it was kind of a ritual that they would wash their hands before they ate, and it seemed to get everybody healthier. 
All right, well, with that being said, let's look at Mark 7 because we're going to talk about hand washing. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Now, I don't know about you, but you might look at this and go, I don't get it. What's the issue here? They weren't washing their hands. It was a ceremonial washing. You know, it's kind of, I don't know about you, but it's what I watch people do. They use the bathroom, and then they turn the water on, and they, they sprinkle a little water on, they dry their hands, and they walk out. That's a ceremonial washing. That's not washing to get the germs off. That's not using soft soap to clean your hands. That's just like a little bit of a splash of water. Okay, I, I guess I'm good. Now I'm germ-free. That's a ceremonial washing. Well, what they would do is they would literally just take a little water, sprinkle it on their hand, and, and voila, now I'm clean. But that became the law, if you will. And Jesus was highlighting to them, and now he's going to give more examples about how their traditions became laws and sometimes superseded God's laws. And this is what they were doing. So Jesus kind of picked up on it. And, uh, and, and I'll give you another example of this. Um, you, I think you know I, I enjoy going to the gym and I'm, and I'm so excited to be back in the gym. Uh, I go to the gym early when people aren't there. I tend to get there at five in the morning and, uh, and get my workout in. Uh, before I head off to work. And so this week, you know, it's always funny. This week, uh, somebody got really angry at me. <clears throat> and, uh, and it was, um, well, I don't know. They just got angry at me. Because in the gym, you know, you, you have your antiseptic spray, you know, and you wipe down your equipment. And, and I'm always really good about wiping everything down. And, um, and I was using some dumbbells, and I didn't wipe them off every, after I used them every time because I was using them repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And I noticed this one woman got up and grabbed a spray, walked over to my dumbbells and looked at me and sprayed. And I felt a little bad uh, because I didn't wipe it immediately, but I was the only one using them. There was nobody else around. And... Uh, but I, I do wash them, I do clean them. But at the same time, I watch people do ceremonial washings at the gym all the time. You know, they walk in, you know, they like take the rag, they don't put anything on it, they just wipe the machine a little bit and they walk away. You know, this is a little bit what we're talking about of, of what does it mean to love our neighbors? How do we care for other people? And are we doing things just to be noticed like we're attempting to do something, or are we doing things because we really care about other people? And I think this is really fitting, because this was not about, you know, I know this was just hand-washing for them, but you'll see that this turns south uh, in a hurry, because they're, what they were doing, here's the gist of what they were doing, 
They were pointing the finger at the disciples. How come they're not doing what we do? Even though they were following a tradition. How come they're not doing what they're doing? What we're doing? And they were pointing a finger at them and saying, Jesus, they're not good. They're bad. Because they're not doing what we do. Why aren't your disciples doing what we do? And they were pointing a finger of judgment. Listen to how Jesus responds. Verse 5. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips. Here it is. But their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. What was the issue here? It was a matter of the heart. I think we find similar things. We can go through motions, but where's our heart? You know, when we talk about worship, you know, he talks about they worship me in vain. They go through the steps, the outward appearances, but their hearts aren't close to Christ. Do you know when we gather for worship, do you understand we can only facilitate worship, but it's you who have to worship. Do you know what worship is? It's connecting with God. And inside every one of us, and we're going to see this as we read further on now, there's a battle that's raging inside of us. Because on this side, we want so bad to connect with God. We want to do what Jesus is asking us to do. We want to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Our deepest desire is to do this. But inside... We want so bad to do whatever we want to do. And how we're wired because of sin, we're born into sin, we're saturated with sin. If you think about when something triggers you, what's your first thought? We've talked about first thoughts before. Often our first thought is bad. Why? Because we're sinful people, saturated in sin. And what that does is it creates an issue like, I really want to do what God wants me to do. But I really want to do what I want to do. And so we justify our behavior of why we don't have to do what God wants us to do. And that's what we're going to hear an example of right now. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 8. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Here's the example. And he continued. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is corpsmen, that is devoted to God, 
then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down. And you, and you do many things like that. All right, let me explain that. The command was, honor your father and mother. Take care of them. They didn't have subsidy. They didn't have Social Security. They didn't have Medicare. They didn't have... So the children the, were expected to care for their parents, love their parents all the way till the end. Boy, we watched this in Guatemala. That was just kind of standard that you took care of parents. But if you didn't want to do what God wanted you to do, then what you could do is say, well, my money is Corbin. What that means is I dedicated my money to God. So that when your parents are like, we need some help, you can say, so sorry, Mom and Dad. I dedicated my money, can't give it to you. And according to the tradition, the man-made tradition, that once you dedicated it, you couldn't change it. So if you didn't want to do something for someone else and do what God wanted you to do, you could justifiably just say, hey, it's dedicated to God. Sorry, can't help you. And we could go on our merry way. And this is one of those examples of, wait, 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 wait. How could you replace honor your father and mother with we created a new rule that you didn't have to do that if you did this instead of that? And did you hear Jesus? And you do many other things like that. Here's the problem. My nature wants to do things my way. Isn't that what this whole mask issue is about? I want to do what I want to do. What's the loving thing to do? What does God want us to do? And sometimes we all fight this, you know, some worse than others. I mean, I don't like wearing masks either, but I will, but I will. You know, are we, are we going to say, you know, no, I refuse. I'm going to do what I want to do because what I think matters. All right? How about the person that's really afraid? Well, I don't care about them. I care about my right. You know, see, we, we can run into the same issue. Do we love God and love our neighbors and if we love our neighbors why would we do something that's hurting them and, and I'm not just referring to mass don't hear this is about mass it's not it's about be careful that we don't justifiably do whatever we want to do in any circumstance in any situation Especially if we know that God said, are you doing the loving thing? It's as simple as being impatient with people. You know? Do your job right. You know? And we could yell at somebody for not doing their job right. And I think God is calling us as believers 
to do this. You know, think about what you're typing online. Are you telling everybody what you think? Because what you think really matters. Would you type that if God was sitting next to you and say, so what are you writing? I'm writing this. Oh. Is that what you ought to be writing? See, this is true for all of us. What does God want us to do? And what do I really want to do? And this is something that we're going to struggle with every day of our lives for the rest of our life. Because this is natural. Following God is intentional. That's the difference. When you follow God, it's, it's here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to write. Wait. Wait. Now we overlay it with the Scriptures. What does God want me to do? And there comes the wrestle. But I really want to... Yeah. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Me? And usually here's what we'll do. We'll justify it. Or do we allow God to influence our life and we do something intentional that God wants us to do? That's what was going on. They created a whole systemic issue. Like the Pharisees, the church leaders, they just created this whole thing of, of, you know what, let's create our own rules for everybody to follow. But they weren't God's rules. And by creating their own rules, then people didn't have to follow God. See, it's what are we doing on the outside versus what's going on in the inside. And, and sometimes what this is about is, do I do the, the ceremonial thing, sprinkle it on my hand, you know, so that everybody sees I did the ceremonial thing, but it's not where my heart is. And what Jesus was doing was looking at their hearts and saying their hearts, their hearts are so far from me even though they're doing on the outward appearance the right thing outwardly, but not inwardly. Something was amiss. You can, we're going to keep going on, but let me just read to you Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, this is always going to be in all of us, naturally. But then we have to say, what does God want me to do? And Boy, this is a wrestle. Let's go on. God's going to talk about this now. 
Verse 14, again Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that here they are. This is who we are. Evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality. Theft. Murder. Adultery. Greed. Malice. Deceit, lewdness, that's vulgar, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. What's Jesus saying? This is who we really are. All of these thoughts and feelings are who we are. And that doesn't give us the freedom to act on those. God wants us to then... As a believer in Christ, what has Christ done for us? And how does he want me to take the word of God and apply it to this so that I can do what God wants me to do? And you know what's absolutely amazing to me? is how much God still loves us. Turn, if you will, we're going to wrap it up with this. Turn to Ephesians 2. It amazes me, I'll never cease to be amazed that God is the one that crossed the aisle. God is the one who looked at our hearts that were so full of so much junk. And instead of just pushing us away, he goes to us. And our, you know what our nature is? To push God away. Like, I don't want to do what you want me to do. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to be patient. I don't want to be gracious. I don't want to be forgiving. I don't want to be understanding. I want to do whatever I want to do. And yet God, in spite of us, loves us. Ephesians 2, verse 1, helps to summarize this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to leave, live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's Satan, the spirit who is not work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, God's wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace 
you have been saved. We're going to read one more thing there. It was out of God's love. In spite of us pushing against him, walked into our lives with all the garbage, all the junk that we so desperately, we don't want God to see, we want to push God away, we don't want to live the way that God wants. And God, out of grace and mercy, came in anyways. That's what the cross does, is God comes in and cleans we're so undeserving. But he washes us. Because he wants us to be in a relationship with him. That's worship. It's not just doing the outside thing so people think we're good or religious or Christian. It's God coming in and changing us, cleaning us, so that at a heart level, we can meander over and say, God, I want you in my life. I want to worship you in every area of my life. I don't want to do the outward thing. I want the inward relationship with you. That's what Jesus was longing for. That's why he called them hypocrites. They had the outward appearance, but the heart wasn't there. And God just wants simply for us to know he loves us enough to penetrate right into us. He does more than kill germs. God comes in and destroys the sin. Takes it out. And says, all right, you're clean. But he knows us. As soon as he makes us clean, Within seconds, we're sinning and thinking bad thoughts again. God knows that. But don't ever give up the battle. And it's so easy to give up the battle and just give in to those, gratifying those desires. Keep fighting and saying, God, I can't do this. And that's where God comes in. We've read this so many times, but I want to read it again. Verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Would you pray with me? Jesus, transform us from the inside out. Renew our mind and our heart. We don't deserve your grace. We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your forgiveness. But out of your grace and mercy, you come in and cleanse us. Thank you for that. And we want to worship you, meaning at a heart level, God, we want to connect with you. We thank you. We love you for everything you've done for us. Jesus, thank you for dying for us and cleansing us from all of our sin. Help us to live in such a way that's not outward appearance, 
but at a heart level wants to worship you in every aspect of our life so that we can give people hope. Right now, there's a lot of hopeless people. Help us to give them hope that you love us and care about us no matter what. So Jesus, we just want to say thank you for what you do for us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.